Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Because of that, growing up and seeing that, I had a goal to, to prove something. I had a goal to, to be an Olympic champion. That was my goal. And I, I started training literally since I was able to, I mean, I was three, four years old. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time and I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. We've done it. We're back. Wrestling Changed My Life podcast is here. This is your host, Ryan Warner. We have an Olympian in the house today, folks. The rare heir of an Olympic wrestler. And it's Georgi Ivanov, the Bulgarian nightmare, as he's become to known. He was a 2016 Olympian for his homeland, Bulgaria. Before that... He had an incredible story. He was born and raised in Bulgaria, came to the United States alone without knowing how to speak English in high school, became a Division II All-American, and then on the eve of his uh, Division II team, University of Nebraska-Omaha, on the eve of their championship, the AD cut the program. So we're talking about Georgie Ivanov, All-American, on the best team in Division II wrestling, and the team gets dropped. So Georgie had to move to Boise State. He was an All-American there. And then he thought he was out of wrestling before one thing led to the other. He took one match. He took another match. And next thing you know, he's trying to make the 2016 team for Bulgaria. And I won't give away too much. But this story is awesome. It's motivating. It's humbling. I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to Trevor Carter. That's Trevor Carter Instagram. Excuse me. Underscore on the gram. Russell's for Greensboro College, set to graduate in 2023. Thank you so much for tuning in, my friend. And folks, this episode is brought to you by a friendly reminder to rate the show. So give us a star rating, leave a review. It's greatly appreciated. That's all I'll say. Let's get to the show with Georgie Ivanov. Peace! Georgie Ivanov, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Thank you, Ryan. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's Pleasure and an honor, seriously. It's all mine, my friend. I, I had a lot of fun learning about you. Let's just start at the very beginning, man. You grew up in Bulgaria. What was it like growing up in Bulgaria? Where'd you grow up? Give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, uh, I, I grew up in a town called Stara Zagora, and it's that's central in Bulgaria. It's, uh, it's about two hours from Sofia, which is the capital. Uh, the, the town is about 300,000 people. It's fist fifth biggest in, in Bulgaria. Uh, you know, Bulgaria is a small country. It's, it's Area-wise, it's probably the size of Iowa. So uh, 
Yeah, it's small, but that's where I grew up. And uh, very tough area for wrestling. Uh, I, I went to a sports school there in Bulgaria, uh, which is school, uh, you know, it caters more specifically towards athletes. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just, it's a, little more, it's a little more structured for athletes where you can have two practices a day on some days and you go to school for 10 months of the year rather mm -hmm. than nine months. So it's just, uh, like I said, it's, it's more geared towards athletes. Is wrestling a big sport in Bulgaria? I'd imagine it is, but is it one of the top ones like we think about over here? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's like a tradition, right? Wrestling is is huge in Bulgaria. Very rich history. Uh, now the system. I don't know if the system is working anymore for them. They're not producing, you know, as much uh, as many high level athletes. They still have a few, but it's just it's just a different system that's now working. They you know they need to change something in order for uh, to, to change it to move in the right direction again. But history wise one of the best countries in the world. Um, you know, it's just right now it's a little low for them. So you, you moved to Iowa when you were a senior or a junior, you going into your senior year, you moved to Iowa, lived with the, the Wally family. And so you've seen wrestling in Iowa and all across the United States, obviously, but you've also seen it at the youth level in Bulgaria. How would you compare the youth wrestling in Bulgaria versus like the youth level in Iowa? How is it different? Yeah, it's well, first of all, in Bulgaria, you can't compete until you're in fifth grade. So with that said, you know, there's not a whole lot of youth younger than that. Uh, but Bulgaria is a lot different, with, you know, it's, it, with it being just freestyle and Greco, there's no folk style. Right. Over, right. So uh, there is only three or four tournaments a year for, for that age group, not a whole lot of tournaments. So they spend a lot of time working out, practicing, perform, you know, perfecting their craft and not as much competing where here you can have a tournament every weekend if you want to, right? It's, it's a lot more competing. Uh, it seems like and a lot less, less training. For instance, here you have, you know, most clubs are three times a week, you know, mm -hmm. rarely they have four practices a week. So with that said, and, and then they go and compete on the weekend, you know, in Bulgaria, you have like six, seven practices a week and then you compete, you know, four times a year. So it's, it's just a lot different system, uh, but it has its pros and cons either way. Yeah, I would think it, it's more fun to compete, but also there's the burnout from competition. Right. And, and parents here, you know, they get, they get a little crazy, Georgie, about some of these youth tournaments. You know, they get a little insane and it turns kids off. What, what do you think is the, is the right mix just based on what you've seen? Well, Obviously, the U.S. system is doing something right. Uh, one of the best countries in the world right now, if not the best, right, uh, especially for freestyle on the senior level. Uh, with that said, there is something that is happening in the U.S. that is, that is working. Uh, no, no denial there. However, the, you know, speaking about burnouts, yes, you're right. You know, getting 100 matches a year, in my opinion, is not the right, the right way to go about, especially when you are, you know, five, six, seven years old. It's just too many matches in my opinion. But, you know, now I look back on the system in Bulgaria and they're having six, seven practices a week with no competition. That gets really boring as well. And people do quit the sport because of that sometimes. Uh, so it's, it's like I said, it's pros and cons. I think there's a happy medium. And I, I think the wiser parents and coaches are doing that. They're not letting their kids wrestle every weekend. You know, mm -hmm. they can't pick where you go and compete and how your practices are. And hopefully there is a system within, within the club that 
you know, it's, it's uh, productive, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think uh, one of the biggest things that we need to take into consideration is the, the, the athletes health and, and longevity, right. Being able to compete for a longer amount of longer period of time, especially after college, a lot of people quit up after college because of you know injuries burnout too many too many competition too many too much weight cut etc uh you know you don't see very many athletes wrestle 10 years after college you know right. which, but now how about the practice itself when you were a 12 year old wrestler in bulgaria is the practice itself similar to the u.s or is it completely different in terms of wrestling live technique that whole thing yeah, it's very different. It's very different, and it has to be right. When when you're not, when you're not competing every weekend, the system has to be different. There's a lot more technique learning, technique studying, uh, and and it's more of a system. See, a lot of practices here, and a lot of clubs run practices like it's almost like a camp, right? You go to practice, you drill two or three moves, and then you wrestle live for the rest of the practice. Uh, in Bulgaria, you have maybe one day where you don't do technique when where you just do strength and conditioning you have one day where you, all you do is technique and then you have one day where you do matches in a singlet so it's very close to a tournament feel uh where you you wrestle you know a full-on official match with a referee in the middle so you can get that that, that training and feel for competition so so yes it's it's a little different structure but like i said obviously the oh, there's pros and cons to both the, the u.s the u.s system is doing something right so it's definitely working so maybe it's time for us to learn from or for bulgarians to learn from the u.s system i mean yes and no bulgaria is a lot smaller than the u.s right yeah. it'd be like comparing it to a single state versus 50 states so it's like there's a lot bigger pool but I, i'm always fascinated by the but to your point the structure of it it's not just a random one-off practice where you show a setup you show us a, a finish and that's it you know there's more structure to it and it sounds like to you it's mapped out over several months of time as a exactly. kid exactly yep now what about once you become you know i read that you were a four-time bulgarian national champion once you get to the like the high school age are you traveling to like dagestan or are you traveling to osatia to wrestle or is it all within bulgaria only at this point no so i yeah i was uh right before i left for the u.s i was actually uh I was four times national champ for that, that age group. And then on the senior level, I was national champ as well. But my point is this, it's a, once you get to the high school level, if you're one of the top guys, you know, you start traveling international, you, you make the European team uh, cadets. We didn't have worlds back then. They do now, but mm -hmm. we didn't have it back then when I was competing. So you, I made the European, the European team. I, I took fifth in Europe that, at that age, but, but yeah, you start doing international camps. You start doing, you know, some more, I mean, at that time, at, at that point, you're a professional athlete, okay? At that point, you're treated like you go to practices and that's all you do. You go to school and you go to practice and you practice twice a day, sometimes three times a day. You go to camps with the national team. Uh, you're traveling all over the world for camps. And it's a lot more, how do I say this? They, they, they try to, because of the pool, the talent pool is smaller, right, than let's say for the U.S., uh, the top two, three athletes that they see, they really cater to them and they try to develop them. Coaches get behind them and it becomes a lot more uh, customized training for them, if that makes sense. It's not here. I feel like it's it's a lot more. Uh, OK, we have so much talent that we're all going to do the same thing, kind of. And whoever survives, you know, gets to thrive in that environment. But 
there they try to cater more to you and and and, and customize workouts technique wrestling style uh strength and conditioning training everything is catered more towards you so so even though at a young age like a high school age you're treated like you said like a professional athlete absolutely yeah once you prove yourself and 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 you know that you look promising for lack of a better term then then they start they start trying to develop you as an athlete how much of the was bulgaria part of the soviet union no, no. It wasn't. Okay. That I, I was going to ask if it was. So I wonder where the wrestling roots start there. It's just an old school wrestling country. And it's always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't know where the roots start, started at. But, but yeah, like I said, rich history. Um, we used to produce a lot, a lot of good wrestlers. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't really know the history <laughs> behind it. What does it mean to be an Olympic champ in Bulgarian wrestling? Like if you can reach that pinnacle, I mean, what does it mean there as opposed to what you've seen it mean here in the States? It's huge. It's huge in both countries, right? It's very, uh, I mean, we're talking about 0.000000, you know, 01% of athletes out there and uh, very prestigious. Obviously the pinnacle of our sport, Uh, you get treated like a legend, like you should be. I mean, you are a legend at that point. And uh, it's very, uh, yeah, it's, you get a lot of respect. Uh, The problem is, is, and, and I don't know if that's just sports per se, but our economy in Bulgaria, the way it is right now is, you know, it, you become an Olympic champion here in the U S you, you, you know, through sponsorships, advertising, uh, et cetera, deals, you know, you pretty much become a millionaire. Right. And, and, or you can, if you're smart about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in Bulgaria, it's, it's, it's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher to financially make it. You know, you can't necessarily, yeah, you do get pension. That's one of the things. If you, if you medal at the Olympics, you get pension for life, which is good, but it's just not a lot. Um, sponsorship opportunities are not as big as they are in the U.S. Then uh, it's just, uh, it's a lot different financial structure, if that makes sense. So I was, the reason I was asking if it's a big deal, it's like, obviously it's a big deal, but you hear about if you're from Georgia and you win a world title, you get a free car or you get like a free condo right or if you're in dagestan it's like it's you know you you get cars and all kinds of shit right but i just wonder if it was similar in bulgaria i mean if you're set up financially for the rest of your life if you win but you're saying it maybe not be might not be that way yeah not necessarily set up financially forever but but you do get a nice bonus you get a i don't know the exact amount uh but you do get a a, you used to get an apartment or or a house we get a car you know, and you get a nice check um, and you get a pension for life. So, yes, you wow. do get a bunch of things, which is nice. So we'll come back to Bulgaria at the end of the story because the the events leading up to you making the 2016 Olympic team are incredible, sir. But in the meantime, we're going to we're going to go back to Iowa 2000 and uh, 2006, I believe it was. Why? Why did you want to uh, you know, immigrate to the United States? How'd that come about? Well, do you mind me sharing the backstory on it? It's kind of Give me take me from the beginning, baby. Take me from the All beginning. Right. All right. So, backstory. So, growing up through growing up in Bulgaria, you know, my my dream, my dad was a very very good athlete, um, very good competitor, and he was one of the top top guys in Bulgaria. Uh, politics got in the way of that one. You know, I don't want to get into it, but uh, because of that, growing up and seeing that, I had a goal to to prove something. I had a goal to to be an Olympic champion. That was my goal. And I, I started training literally since I was able to, I mean, I was three, four years old. I started following him around the gyms. He was still competing. And, and, and that was my, my desire. My desire was to be an Olympic champion one day. Uh, but really, 
you know, that's just on the outside. Really why I wanted to do this, I wanted to prove that, that, that I can represent my family. I wanted to be someone that, that my parents are proud of. I wanted to prove that, you know, I'm someone that, uh, that people can, can look up to and be a role model and I can, I can achieve something in life. And that's what really drove me. Uh, you know, I, w- I wanted to make my, my family proud. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I put all my effort, I put all my, my, my focus into training and being the best that I can be. And, and that explains why, you know, during my ninth and 10th uh, grade year, so freshman, sophomore in mm-hmm. high school, Bulgaria, I was, I was undefeated. That's really kind of when I, when I started to develop as an athlete. That's when I started to make a name for myself in the country. I was, I was undefeated for two years, took fifth in Europe. You know, I started to get some recognition. I got recruited to compete in one of the largest, uh, wealthiest clubs in Bulgaria, in, in Sofia, in the capital. Uh, and, and, I mean, really, I was treated like, like a king, right? I lived in a, I lived in a four-star hotel, uh, room service, saunas, you know, recovery center, anything, you name it. All I had to do is go to practice and go to school, and everything else was taken care of. Uh, Your and, parents uh, come with you or no? No, it was, it was just me. So you're by yourself on your own. Okay. I was 15 years old when I left. Yeah. 15 years old. I left and and that was my mission. Well, it it was all fine and and dandy and and everything was going great until uh, the unexpected happened. Uh, I I was training right before. Okay. So it was, I had just won a winter national title in my sophomore year of high school because we have winter nationals and summer nationals. Uh, I just won nationals. I mean, just wrecked everyone. Right. And we go back to training and I don't know why my coach did that. It's not right in my opinion, but that's what we did. We went in, we started maxing out. We're lifting weights and we're maxing out on cleans, on squats, on everything. And then after that, he made us go and put our wrestling shoes on and go and, and wrestle again. And I'm not going to blame him, right? Everything, you don't know what's going to happen, but, but it happened. I got really stiff. I went in and started wrestling life. I wasn't, I wasn't loose and uh, I got injured really bad. I went for an arm spin. And the guy was tall, lanky guy I was wrestling with. And he pulled me weirdly, stopped, stopped my move. And my back just, I felt it crack literally throughout my whole spine. And I collapsed and I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I, could, I, I had no idea what happened. And uh, long story short, we started going to a bunch of doctors. And, and what's weird is all of them just kind of scared us. They're like, okay, well, you may never walk again. You know, I wasn't able to walk. And they said, you may, you may your growth may be stunned because of this. You know, it was very serious spinal injury. So were you in a wheelchair? No, I wasn't. They like carried me to the, they had to like carry me. I was like leaning on my, my dad and my coach and they were carrying me to like hospitals and, and professors and, and all kinds of, uh, you know, the best hospitals. And, and all they said was that, you know, I'd be lucky to, to compete again. You know, I pro- I'm probably done. And that was just a huge wake up call for me. And what really ha- what happened after that was, was the, the awakening for me is my coach at that time, he just pulled me in the office and, and uh, I'm, here I am 15 years old, right? And uh, he let me go. He, he just kicked me off the team. Uh, he said, we, we don't really want to be liable and we don't know if you can wrestle again. And, and uh, we're just going to have to let you go. And, you know, that was just, Jesus. yeah, that was unbelievable for me. And that's when I, that was the wake, awakening for me. That was the aha moment that, okay, maybe wrestling is not going to last forever. I may need to have a plan B. And, and that's when, and I get goosebumps talking about this, but that's when I made it a mission to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the U S one day. I'm going to get an education from the U S because it means something worldwide. 
and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be set up whether I make it in wrestling or not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I'm set up. You know, uh, I'm gonna get educated. I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna learn English because English is a world language, right? And I'm gonna make sure that I I'm set up for my future outside of wrestling. Um, but long story short, I, I I was off the mat for four months. We went to some chiropractor slash slash uh, acupuncture Chinese medicine guy. I mean, it was crazy. It's like out of a movie. And uh, we did 10 weeks treatment with him. And uh, I was back, man. I was back to normal. Uh, the guy fixed me. I, I, unbelievable. It was like a miracle. And uh, I went back and wrestled in the – after being four months off, you know, from training, I go back to the summer national tournament in June. And you can tell I was rusty, but I, I ended up winning it. I ended up winning again. And I wrestled un unattached, un unattached, no club won it uh, but it wasn't the same I, I didn't feel the same i went to europeans again i didn't do as well i lost my first match it just wasn't the same and uh tell me you wrestled someone from your old club at the summer nationals <laughs> and you beat the shit out of them tell yeah. me that happened no it did not happen but damn it but the coach was there and and, and he knew that you know he made a mistake but uh anyways that's when i that that summer that summer in in august is when I had the chance, I got invited to go and visit a, a good friend of ours, family friend in Iowa. And that was the Wall family. And uh, I, uh, I said, sure, why not? You know, they, he said, come for 15 days, meet my family, maybe work out with us a little bit and learn a little English and it'll be good for you. And, I, and to, me, to me, that was an opportunity. That was a plan for me to come prove myself, make some connections, maybe go to school there one day, right? Because that is my ultimate dream. And I did that, I came. And 12, Ryan, 12 days into it, uh, they said, hey, do you want to stay here and, you know, be an exchange student for a year, see how you like it? Uh, if you like it, great. If not, you know, you can go back to Bulgaria anytime that you want to. Man, I didn't have to think twice. I, I, my, I told my parents, I told my mom, I called them 12 days into it. And I was like, hey, uh, I think I'm going to stay, guys. You know, I'm, I'm going to live here and we're going to get a lawyer, change my visa to a student visa, and I'm going to go to school here. And my mom just started crying on the phone, right? So we didn't plan this. Uh, we didn't plan this. But, uh, and I, I'm 16 years old at that time. And I, and I decided, I made that decision. And I started prioritizing school. And wrestling was the vehicle for me to, to get educated in the U.S. And, and eventually I earned the scholarship and, and wrestled here. But along the way, man, so many. So Let's not get know, ahead I, of ourselves. Yeah, let's stay back. So cause 12 well, days in, you call so your maybe, mom. Yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me finish that real quick because it's, it's just mind-boggling. So 12 days, I call my mom and I'm like, hey, I'm staying. She starts crying. Um, and she has no idea where I'm at. She has no idea what it looks like, who's taking care of me, right? And my dad, my dad knew, knew the, the, the person in the family, but my mom didn't. And she was just stressing. But here's what, here's what happened. I made the decision to stay, right? And we started, we got a lawyer. Uh, and then Trevor Carrot is actually the person's name that, that hired the Lord and stepped behind me. And I actually lived with him after the Wall family, uh, him and Carol, Carol Carrot. They're, they're married now. But anyways, man, we filed. I, I sent my documents to, to, uh, to renew my visa and get a student visa from a visitor visa. And we're waiting. We're playing the waiting game, right? And we hear back from the immigration's office. And all we see is a document comes and a, a rejection stamp on it. They, they rejected my paperwork. Hmm. And at, at that time, we're just 
mind blown, you know, Trevor was like, what are, what are we missing here, right? We're showing financial statements. We're showing where you're going to live, where you're going to stay, everything, sponsors, you know, you have everything. What are we missing here? He's like, is there something that we don't know? Why did they reject you? And I'm like, you know, I have no idea. I barely speak English at that time. And anyways, I got as far as us reaching out to the, to the senator in Iowa, uh, you know, and, and just saying, hey, all we want to know is why did he get rejected? What is there? Are we missing something? And through the grapevine, they got back to us. And all they said is that, hey, they, they, uh, they said, the immigration office said that they lost his documents and that's why we rejected him. And, uh, Jeez, man. Unbelievable. You know, how do you lose someone? Come on. Like, they, how do you lose someone's doc? So anyways, so Trevor said, okay, well, we're going to resend them. Please review them and, and, <laughs> and make another decision. And uh, yeah, that's when they approved me and, and the rest is kind of history. Wow. So how did you know, how did your dad know this family who you went to stay with in Iowa? Yeah, great question. So my dad had came, my dad at the time was top, was uh, one of five coaches that worked for Phila back in the day, right? UWW mm -hmm. now. World Wrestling Organization. Yeah. He was one of five coaches, and he was considered expert coach. And his job was to go to, you know, locations, Olympic training centers uh, around developing countries like Africa. Uh, and he actually lived in Africa for two years, but that was his job. And through that, he, he was able to come to Iowa and just do a camp, short clinic here, uh, and uh, just coach some wrestling, you know. And, and that's how he came to Iowa, and he met that family, and that's how they made that connection. And then the, the Kurt Wall is his name. He was the person. Uh, then he came to Bulgaria a couple times. And when he came the second time in 2006, that's when he invited me to go back and meet his family. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, man, so you, to your point, you kind of had that awakening. And so when you were in Iowa 12 days in, you're thinking, this is a sign. I have to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was like, this is once in a lifetime chance. Uh, you know, I realized that in Bulgaria, one injury and you're done with wrestling. It doesn't matter if you're a world champ, right? And, and no one, there is no, I mean, that's it. Your career is done. And so that's when I started prioritizing school and I made it my mission. And wrestling was the tool to, to provide that for me, right? I, I wasn't, we didn't necessarily have money. I, I couldn't afford to go to school. I mean, it's, you know, you look right. at $30,000 a year. There's no way I can pull that type of money for school. So uh, I made sure that wrestling, you know, was the, it provided full scholarship for me to go to college. Now, how did your dad take it when you, when you told him you were moving? He knew that, you know, he knew where I was, I was uh, standing mentally. He knew that was the right thing to do, uh, regardless of how hard it was for our family to, to separate, you know, that way. Uh, but, man, it was, it was tough. And in the beginning, it was kind of fun, right? You're young, you're 16 years old, everything is new, and you, it's fun. It's, 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 but... I'll tell you what, two years into it, it, it started hitting me really bad. I, I started missing home. I started, uh, you know, I mean, you go to all these holidays, right? Christmas, you go to birthdays, you know, family gatherings around here and you're by yourself and you start seeing kids play with their families and take pictures and you don't have any of that, right? It's, it's Yeah, you have friends, but it, it's not quite the same. And it's it started hitting me real bad about two years into it. And I was, man, you, I, I remember, I would, and I don't know if this is too much to share, but I, I remember I would, I would be at parties and I would go to the bathroom and, you know, pretend like I'm going number two and I would just cry my eyes out for 10 minutes, uh, go wash my face, wash my eyes and, and come back out and, and continue with, you know, wow. go, go on with the night. But man, I, I had some tough times going through that. And I mean, I mean you got to think, you know, 
you leave when you're 16 and for the first four years I was here, I only saw my parents once for 15 days halfway through. Uh, and I didn't go back to Bulgaria for nine years, nine years. No way. Oh yep. my God. So when you were, when you first got here, was there a difference in terms of like your freedom of what you could do? Not like freedom, like rights, but like, were you able to go hang out with more friends, do more things as opposed to living in Bulgaria? Or was it pretty similar? No, no, it was not. It was completely different. I had no time for any of that. You got to think, okay, I came my senior year, basically going into my senior year of high school. I didn't speak English. I, I, had to, I had to learn the language in order for me to. So first, I had to prove myself in wrestling. Why? So I can earn a scholarship, right? Mm -hmm. Second, I had to learn the, the English. I had to learn English so I can pass the ACT, SAT tests, you know, to be NCAA eligible. Um, and then I had to pass a, a, a test called TOEFL, which is English, yeah. English proficiency exam which is not easy to do. And all I did was literally go to, go to practice, go to school, go home and do homework and study English. And, and homework that would take a regular student, you know, approximately 30 minutes, it would take me two hours because first of all, I had to sit there with a dictionary and translate everything that I'm reading so I can understand what I'm talking about. And then I had to do the homework again with a dictionary. It, it was not, it, it was not an easy thing. It was very time consuming, but you know, I, he I heard you uh, had a dictionary and you'd learn like 50 to 100 words a day. Is that true? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. The first, uh, the first year, that's all I did is learn 50 to 100 new words every day. And obviously you don't remember all of them. Right. But, but whatever I can retain, you know, later on you would hear the word in a conversation. It sounds familiar. I look it up again, second or third time. And then I end up remembering it. But, uh, but yeah, that, that I made it a mission to, you know, I made a definite, definite mission to learn learn the English language and get a scholarship. You're a driven man. And I love that. I, I love hearing these stories. What was the, what was it like working out five days a week in like an Iowa high school where you're probably going pretty hard? Was it a big yeah. change? It was and and not the workout necessarily. You know, I was, I was used to that. I mean, I, I came from, you know, Bulgarian national teams, et cetera, but so not the load, not the workload, but, but folk style, man. Folk style. I've never wrestled folk style, and all of a sudden, here I am on the bottom, supposed to get out, <laughs> you know, or on top, riding people, and I, I'm used to locking my hands and doing gut wrenches, you know. So that that was a big, big change for me. I, I really, what I what I ended up doing in high school is just wrestling on my feet and cutting people and and just takedowns, and that's that's kind of what I did. How many locked hands calls, dog? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't keep track of it, but I'd say we probably averaged one every five matches or so. And what about the uh, what about the crowds that would come to to watch? Was it about the same as that you had in Bulgaria, where the Iowa fans showing up, you know, like, like bigger bigger fan showings, I guess, so to speak, at like a high school duel? Well, it's different. Like I said, in Bulgaria, you have four or five four or five tournaments a year, and they're all either national events or international events. So, you know, you get a big audience. Uh, but but here, what's different is even even small like regional district tournaments you know you get you get everyone people that don't even necessarily follow wrestling that much but iowa man wrestling is like a religion right people show up to even small small tournaments and they support it they cheer i mean you can go in the stands and go to a random you know grandma in the stands and she would know who's wrestling and and what the score is and you know they're just fans are are crazy here in iowa and it, it was it was a very cool feeling to compete in front of that type of crowd for sure. And you mentioned that, you know, competing in that type of crowd, your senior year, 
you only had one loss. I'm guessing it was to Balwig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a sore subject. You know, I haven't watched that match still. And, and I had that match won. Uh, here's what happened. Not, I'm not right, great competitor. Bullock, I mean, he was three-time state champ, four-times finalist. Nothing to take away from him. But what I'm saying is that weekend, that, was in the, that week before state, I was in the hospital, puking, uh, fever. And we go to state tournament. And I'm still, you know, I was, I was good enough, you know, where I, I can still win matches. And I was doing well. But, man, that match in the quarterfinals, I was winning. I remember I was winning 5-2, to two, Ryan, and I was on top with 30 seconds left. And all I remember is getting super tired. Like, almost, I, I blacked out, literally. I don't, I don't remember what happened. All I know is uh, a scramble happened. I looked up. The match was over, and the score was 6-5 bowling, and I lost. And what they told me that it happened, I haven't watched the matches, is that somehow I slipped. He put me on my back. They gave him two back points and the two time reversal. ran out and the time ran out. And so they gave him two reversal, two back points. And I lost six to five. And, and, and that was it. <laughs> Man. And that was your only loss of the year, right? Yeah. 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 So were you wrecking dudes all year or did you have some close matches? Yeah, no, I was, I was doing really, really well. I, I broke, I broke, I still have the high school record in my high school. Cause that's all the matches you were able to, to get in Iowa. But, uh, I have I had a 54 wins that season and I had I don't know like 39 pins or something I, I can't remember but yeah no I, I was doing really well the whole year for sure and then how did you how did you end up at UNO with the great coach Denny yeah. big fan of him absolutely great man uh well it, it, that was an easy choice man and I listened to my mentor here in, in high school coach Trevor Carrot you know I was starting to get here's the thing First year wrestler in high school, right? And international students, a lot of college, a lot of colleges didn't even know that I existed yet that, that much, you know, they weren't following me. And I was a senior 119 pounder, you know, it's kind of tough to recruit 119 pounder as a senior. Did but you go to Fargo at all or no? Yeah, I went to Fargo. I, I double American there. I took fourth and fifth. Uh, I lost two tough matches actually to Logan Stieber and Tony Ramos for third and fourth. Man, that, that's a, those are two tough names. You were, how, how did the matches go with Steber and Ramos? I'm just curious. Was it close? Steber, Steber, I think I was one. I was the only person or maybe one other person that he didn't tech fall that year. I lost 4-1-1-0. And Ramos, uh, man, I thought I had him beat, but I didn't win, obviously. I, I was winning 2-0. Took him down twice in the first period. And then with five seconds left, he turned me in the front headlock. So he won that period. Second period, no points. He won the coin flip and took him uh. like... 15, 20 seconds and took me down. Yeah. I forgot we're talking about those funky rules. I hate those yeah. rules, man. Yeah. Yeah. But wow. it, was, it, was, it was good. It was a good match. But no, so obviously both on tough dudes, right? But yeah. But no, that's when I started getting some attention from colleges. But as soon as Coach Jenny, you know, I, I went and worked out a little bit there and I got to meet him. I went on campus, loved it. And then, you know, Trevor Carrot said that, hey, this is a great program, uh, great coach. You know, it doesn't matter that they're Division two. Uh, it's a great school. You'll be close to us. And, and I just, that's where I went. And it was, it was best, best decision I made. And for the folks who don't know what we're talking about, UNO, back when they had wrestling, an absolute travesty took place there. They were one of the top teams in the country and the, the program was dropped. But the coach there, Mike Denny, he is like, he's been coaching for 50 years. He's been on the podcast, a real legend in coaching and a, re a real master in terms of like the holistic approach to it. You know, it's not just about the X's and O's. He's more of a, you know, a, a total, I guess, holistic is the best way to put it. It's hard to describe what makes him special. But 
you know, when you were first getting to UNO and you talked about earlier crying in the bathroom at parties, was that at UNO or was that in high school when that was happening? That was in high school. Okay. Was so high school. Yeah. What was the transition at UNO like in, in building a culture on the team there and meeting those guys? Man, it was, it was, a, it was a blessing, right? They, they welcomed me right away. I made lifelong uh, friends. You know, it was like a family. Coaches were awesome. Uh, it, it was great. I mean, that school was – and not the school – the wrestling program was, was amazing. It was special. We are very close. Uh, I mean, we had won the school, the, the wrestling program had won six out of the last eight years or national champs. And the three, the three years that I was there, we won every year. So it was, it was very special to be a part of those teams, uh, you know, national championship teams, great experience, uh, very close and everyone supported each other on and off the mat. Uh, so that was, that made it a lot easier for me to, you know, bond with, bond with those guys and create a, a friendship. And it, it was, man, did you, that, did you yeah. have that kind of brotherhood on any of your teams in Bulgaria when you were training back then? Gosh, no, no, we, uh, it's, it's different, man. It's, you got to think here you have dual teams and you're competing for team championships that bond, that bonds you well, uh, in Bulgaria, you're, yeah, you're training with a team, but everything's individual. You don't, you don't have dual teams. You don't have, team championships necessarily you do but not really yeah. uh, everything is individualized and you just try to take care of business on your own so I, that was a lot of fun for me to be a part of a, a team like that it was it was special definitely man it's it's a cool thing and you know you have there's a very few group of coaches like coach Diddy out there who know how to bring a team together and so but yet again in your career you had another obstacle right the wrestling program was dropped i think you got second you got third and then saturday night of the nationals they dropped the wrestling program. Talk me through what you remember at that moment. Man, that was, I still remember, that was literally like a funeral. It, it, first of all, I was ranked number one the whole year. I took second as a freshman, number one the whole year. And uh, I lose my first match to a guy that goes one and two in the tournament. Okay, just oh upset, my God. Upset, upset of the tournament, right? And I come back, win five matches, take third. By the way, if I didn't win five matches and score bonus points, on the backside, we wouldn't have won as a team. So maybe it was meant to happen that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, we, um, so that was a bad experience for me personally to begin with because I didn't win my national championship. But then an hour later, we're celebrating, right? Everyone's having a good time. And Coach Danny, I, I still remember, he calls everyone in into a meeting and we're thinking, man, someone probably got in trouble. Who knows what happened, right? And we go back into the hotel room and, and coach looks like he saw a ghost. Right. And, and, uh, we, I seriously thought someone died, but, and we, he says, well, they, uh, we just got a call from the AD and, uh, he didn't congratulate us. He just said that, you know, uh, we're seizing the wrestling program and we're like, okay, we didn't quite, pro- it didn't process. Right. We still thought, okay, maybe there's a chance to, to bring it back. Um, I mean, you're not going to cut a three time national championship pro- program. But anyways, we, next morning, man, we get back to campus on Sunday, and it, it was real. We, we, we get off the bus with the national championship trophy. The, the, the campus was locked down. They, couldn't, they wouldn't even let us on campus. They wouldn't even let us in the locker rooms. The locker rooms were locked, in, locked down. The wrestling room was locked, and the, the, the keys were, were changed. We couldn't get in, in our own wrestling room. Like what? We were just kicked out to the curb like – done <laughs> i mean we couldn't even go get our personal properties from the locker room 
Um, what the heck is wrong with that guy? The AD, the new athletic yeah. director. Oh. And I don't. Here's the thing. Everyone's blaming him. I don't even know if he has the power to make that decision, right? He's just the move. He's just the person that they threw out there. Uh, they, I don't know what happened, but man, there's a lot of people involved in that decision, and who knows why they did it? But it, it wasn't the right way, that's for sure. And so you ended up going to Boise State, and I read that you did that to be closer to your family. Did your family move out there then, or how did they get over yeah. here? Yeah. So literally, literally that same year. My, my family moved, my dad, my parents got uh, a work visa and my dad moved to coach in Idaho and crazy. That's, you know, as soon as they dropped it, I was like, okay, Boise State calls me, offers me a full scholarship. And I was like, man, this is, this is meant to be. And I, you know, I've been away from my family for five years, four or five years. I haven't seen them. Uh, this will be a good experience for me. And I didn't go, yes, you know. It was wrestling, but it, my my perspective changed after they dropped you. And I, I was focused on finishing, getting my education, finishing my degree, and you know, being close to family. And that's that's what mattered to me at that point. Boise is a beautiful place too. It is. It is beautiful place. And so, I mean, you, you kind of said it right. I mean, at the Division One level, the top and bottom is so important that you know. In my mind, I got to think you're thinking, all right, let me get through this. I'm going to, you, you won the Pac-10s, you qualified for Nationals, um, had a close match with Derringer your senior year. Um, but then in the back of your mind, are you always knowing that you're going to go freestyle in 2016 or you didn't know yet? No, no. And that's the thing. In the back of my mind, I was getting my, my business marketing degree and I was done. Um, and man, it was crazy. So Here's how it happened. I'll just go through the story again, but uh, that was another heartbreaking. You know, I was my, it was my senior year and my junior year. I got hurt. I, I couldn't compete at nationals. Uh, I was there, but I I didn't I couldn't do anything. Uh, my 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 senior year, I was thinking, okay, this is it, right? I'm gonna have one last push and see what happens. And I was doing well, man. I I won Pac-12s. So I got outstanding wrestler and I uh, go to nationals. They didn't seed me. They didn't seed me. They seeded the guy that took second in Pac-12s, RJ Penn, and they didn't seed me. I don't know. It was weird, but I go into nationals. What? Uh, first match, I have a, a, a Minnesota kid. Second match, I had the three seed uh, Walsh from Indiana, who was in the finals the year after that with Deringer. Um, and then I beat him. And then uh, my third matches with Deringer in the quarters, uh, I lost him really close in the last 10 seconds. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously that was just heartbreaking. And then, I couldn't, I couldn't recover. I couldn't bounce back. And then, and then on the back, on the back, um, I lost to the guy that I beat two weeks before that RJ Penny from Oregon state, um, in the blood round. Yeah. So that tournament's so tough. It is, it is tough. And not, folk style, I never enjoyed it. Right. Freestyle. I think that could have went a whole lot different, but, Absolutely. Uh, but here's the thing. Like I said, Ryan, once, once you know, dropped it, Yes, I was still competing. Yes, I was still wrestling. I'm a very competitive person. No excuses. But wrestling was not a priority at that point. I was trying to get my degree and move on. And, and that's what happened. You know, I, I got done with that, that tournament. It was heartbreaking. Um, and I was so over it, man, with wrestling at that point. I was like, man, this is just obstacle after obstacle, upset after upset, right? And I was done. I was done. And, but here's what I didn't take into consideration. I, went, I got an internship with Northwestern Mutual to sell life insurance, health insurance. Um, or uh, I'm sorry, li life insurance. And I was doing great, man. I was, I was, uh, 
I, I killed that internship. I was an intern of the region there. I, I did really well. And then I was, they wanted to hire me full time. And as soon as we started going through the paperwork, <clears throat> my immigration status at the time, I was on a student visa. It wouldn't allow me to, to get hired as a full-time employee for Northwestern Mutual because they didn't sponsor international, uh, international students. I know. Jeez. I know. So the only other option I had is one, to stay on my student visa and, and go into a, a, the next level in my higher education, which is to get a master's degree. Or... Uh, or to apply for a work visa with an employer that would hire me and work towards my, you know, sponsor me to get a work visa. So <clears throat> immediately, what do I think? Okay, I have to be a GA somewhere, a graduate assistant, yeah. and just keep going with my master's degree. So I called a bunch of schools. Uh, I called uh, actually Steve Costanzo in St. Cloud, a good friend of mine, great guy. Uh, and I called Coach Denny. And Coach Denny was like, man, you need to come like ASAP, like right away. We're going to have a job for you here and everything. And I went there, interviewed with the vice president of the university. They got me some job in, in, uh, in uh, uh, admissions. I was processing applications for students that were coming in. And that was my full-time job. And then I was volunteering for wrestling. So I was working from, you know, seven to four. And then four, after that, I would go and volunteer as a wrestling coach. And, and uh, yeah, I started getting my master's degree there. And uh, I, ended up, I ended up actually getting promoted in my work. I was uh, the international recruiter for them. I was recruiting international students into the school, working with them. And then, I, and then after that, I went on to be a full-time associate head coach with, with Coach Danny. Right. And that's, I saw that. I didn't know you weren't there anymore. And so all this is going on, um, you know, you're just persevering through obstacles, you know, one after another, just knocking them down. You're, you're winning at life. When, and then in 2015, you wrestled at the World Championships. How did we get to that point? How did you get back to that Bulgarian national team? Yeah, great question. So, <clears throat> so here I am, right? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in school uh, and I am, I'm, so I'm a grad student, graduate student getting my master's. I am a, a, a volunteer coach at the time and working in admissions. And I get a phone call from, uh, uh, from, some, from Zach Dominguez actually here in Omaha. They're putting an event in Omaha. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. But you had the Paulsons, Trent Travis Paulson. Uh, you had Nick Marble. You had some big names competing in that. It was a, it was a, it was a dual meet, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they invited me, and I was wrestling some a kid from from Russia actually, that that had been here, and I was thinking, man, this is awesome. As soon as they told me it's a freestyle match, I was thinking, man, I haven't wrestled freestyle in like four or five years. This will be fun, and I literally just went there and just did it for fun. The guys on the team challenged me. They're like, hey, you should go wrestle freestyle. It'll be fun. Uh, and, and so I even wrestled Maryville Singlet to, to promote the university. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. But so what happened is that was in November, I believe, if I can remember right. And I went and I wrestled freestyle and I felt amazing. I felt unbelievable. I, 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 I won the match, did really, really well. Uh, and it just felt so natural wrestling freestyle again. And so I went back to campus and the guys are like, coach, maybe you should go and enter the Dave Schultz International Tournament in January. I'm like, okay, guys, this is, <laughs> this is a big step here. You know, I, I, have to come, I have to train a little bit. I have to cut weight. I have to, you know, I have to get in a routine again. But took on the challenge. I figured, hey, why not? I'm just going to go wrestle. And, you know, one last time, it'll be fun. Well, I go and I cut down to 70 kilos, and I go and wrestle at the Dave Schultz International Tournament. And 
I ended up winning the tournament. You know, I won the day. Let's so, go. Yeah, I, I ended up beating actually uh, Bekzot. His name is Bekzot, I think, Abdurakmanov from uh, Uzbekistan. Uh, in the finals, he took third at Worlds. You know, fifth in the Olympics. He beat Burroughs in the Olympics. Very tough opponent. And I beat him in the finals. And next thing you know is, you know, I'm getting a phone call from Bulgaria saying, hey, maybe you should come back and wrestle <laughs> at the national. Yeah. And so the rest is history. I went to Bulgaria, uh, just destroyed everyone. Literally, I had a really, really good tournament. Felt amazing. I won a national title, made the world team, and uh, the rest is history. Not, but we're not quite there. We got one more little story <laughs> here before we let you go. Um, See, so you, you go to the world championships, um, and then, you know, the following year is 2016, right? Yeah. And I was looking at it, and I'm thinking, all right, well, he may – Maybe he didn't even have to work out to make the Bulgarian team. Maybe he was just the guy, but he had to qualify the weight in Mongolia. And so you go to the winner. Was it the winter nationals the first time where yep. you, you did not win that, right? Did not win that. So right. poor planning, poor planning on my side. Uh, my wife and I took a, a, a delayed uh, uh, honeymoon trip to the Dominican Republic, literally the week of me having to go to Bulgaria and wrestle at the tournament. So, mm. uh, yeah, I did, not, <laughs> I, I, did not, I did not prioritize training, man. Ooh. And <clears throat> anyways, long story short is I go there and I lost. I lost to a very – a good guy, a, a good guy, guys, third at Junior Worlds. At that time, he took fifth at Worlds the year before that, actually, at the weight class uh, below me. I mean, he's a tough, tough competitor, and I lost to him uh, by two points, I think, or something. And uh, that so was a weight how did that they get was, go ahead that was a wake-up call for me but but before that happened let me i'm skipping here a little bit before that happened before the january national tournament happened the whole national team received an email in december saying hey guys we're going into an olympic year here's what must happen in order for you to represent the country first and second to qualify for the olympics right two different things and they said okay <clears throat> every guy in in the weight class, like the top three guys, right? You compete at a national tournament and then you have to, in January, and then you go and you compete in an international tournament in February or in March. And then after that, based on those two, two tournaments, we decide which guy is going to go and try to qualify Bulgaria for the Olympic spot. You know, there's three chances. Right. You have the first, the European qualifier, then you have the first world qualifier, and then you have the second world qualifier. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, whoever, based on those two tournaments, the, the nationals and the international tournament, we're going to tell you who's going to compete where. Well, as soon as I lost, <clears throat> right, as soon as I lost in January, they got back to us and they said, okay, that guy that beat me is going to have two chances. He's going to go first in the European qualifier, and then he's going to go in the second world qualifier. And George, you, because you lost, you're only going to have one chance, and that's going to be in Mongolia. If, if he doesn't qualify before that. And then they said, whoever qualifies goes to the Olympics, period. Okay, so I was like, okay, well, that's simple, right? Makes sense. <clears throat> so the guy goes to the European qualifier and loses. He goes 0-1. And, and I'm thinking, man, this is literally, in my mind, Ryan, I'm thinking, I have one tournament left in my life. Like, I have, I have the Mongolia uh, World Tournament, and I'm done if I don't qualify. So I figured, Hey, I'm going to relax, have fun, go out there and perform. I did a really, really good training before that tournament. I felt amazing. I did a camp out in Idaho with my dad. 
I was ready to go. Felt good. Did a good weight cut. Felt amazing. Went there, competed. <clears throat> First match, I, win a, I, I beat a really tough guy from uh, Moldova. He's actually tech fault the other Bulgarian guy in my weight class. Uh, he tech fault him in the international tournament that same year. So anyways, I beat him first match, and I'm thinking, man, this is, this is a good sign. You know, I win second, third match, I win the semifinals, and I go into the finals, and I, I qualified right there, right? I'm, in the, I'm top two in the world. So the tournament. semifinal win was the qualifier, right? Correct, yep. So what are you thinking before this match? Biggest match of your life. What, what are you telling yourself? One match. That's it. I am not losing that match. There's a reason I'm here. There's a reason I went through all these hardships. There's a reason I'm in the semifinals of the world tournament. I mean, you'd have to carry me in a body bag to lose that match. You know what I mean? And uh, I gave everything that I had. Uh, wrestled amazing. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I won. I won the match. I felt amazing. Made it to the finals. And, uh, and so, man. Dude, I, the, the high I, you I, must have been on was incredible, huh? Oh, incredible. I didn't even think about the finals match. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, the guy that I beat first match ended up actually coming back taking third place and wrestling for true third because only three guys can go to the Olympics from that tournament. And he actually won his true third match and he, he actually went to the Olympics as well. But, um, wow. My point is, man, I broke down after that match. I, I went in the locker room, cried with my dad was there. It was a very cool moment. He celebrated it with me. I cried like a little kid, right? Um, it was amazing. And I go back to, uh, I go back to the U S and I went through such an emotional up high, you know, that, my body broke, broke down in hives. My, my body broke down in hives from the trip. It's 13 hours time difference, man, between Mongolia and here. Um, and uh, I come back and I'm just, my body's just gave up on me. I, I, broke, I broke down in hives. Uh, I was very exhausted, jet lag, everything. And I was like, man, I need, I need a break here. But the second day I'm back in the US, I called Bulgaria. I called the Bulgarian president and the head coach. And I said, hey, I just wanted to confirm I'm the guy. Uh, so we can schedule our training and you know how everything is going to go from here on until the Olympics and they go they didn't even congratulate me right they just said hey by the way um, yeah we're not going to go off of that anymore uh, we actually need you to come back next week and wrestle in the national tournament again um, hmm. and now you're at the lowest of lows you're, like how depressed were you I literally crashed I was like man you can imagine what kind of thoughts are going through my head I'm thinking they just used me. They just made me qualify the spot. And now they're going to let the other guy compete in the Olympics. Uh, where do I stand in this? You know, I, I just, there is no way they're going to let me compete in the Olympics. Like and they I was, screwed your dad. They're going to screw you. It's like, no way. Like how much neg negative self-talk, right? You must've just been blaming those people. Like all crazy. of it, all of it. And, and, and there's a lesson in that, you know, I transformed as a human being after that experience, but man, that's probably the lowest, of lows that I've been in my life is during those three months of the waiting period and the unknown and the, the, the negativity, you know, from everyone, the, the lack of support from anyone. And the, the, I mean, it was just the lowest of lows that I've experienced. And so they you tell you that you have to cut, they say, Hey, you haven't qualified the spot. You got to come back over here and wrestle in the summer nationals. You go over there, you lose. And then they say, you got to stay for the next three and a half months. Yeah. So here's what happened. I go there and I'm just mentally wrecked. I'm a mess. You know, I, my, my body is just getting to recover. Uh, I, I cut weight again and I only went, you got to think, I have a full-time job. I had just gone, okay, I just got married. I had a full-time job. I was a full-time coach, full-time graduate student. 
and they're telling me, hey, you have to come back again next week after I was just out for, for 20 days. And I call my work and I'm like, hey, guys, I don't know if you want to fire me or what, but I, I have to see this through. You know, I just qualified for the Olympics. I, I have to go. And they're celebrating. They're like, hey, can we buy tickets to the Olympics and come watch you? I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to be the guy yet. <laughs> so, What's yeah, your so, wife say? Is your, is your wife American or Bulgarian? She's American, yeah. She, and, and she's not a wrestling fan. She's like, what is going on? Why, why are you there so long? Like, are you going to ever come back? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening? And good luck explaining to her that there is politics involved and it's, it's, it's corrupt to, like, this level, right? So, anyway, so I go back and I lose again. And, and I'm a wreck at that point. I literally, I go to the, to the, the coach and the president and I said, hey, let me know, is he the guy? If he is, I'm okay with that. I have a life to go back to in the US. I gotta go to work, I have my family uh, and classes to take. So just please let me know and let's just have a, let's finalize this. And they're like, well, no, no, you can still be the guy, but, but, but if you wanna be the guy, if you even wanna have a chance to be the guy, you have to stay here until the Olympics and train with us and not go back. And I, Why? I, I literally came with a little backpack. <laughs> like I had no luggage, nothing. And- uh, Why'd they do this? No idea. I still don't know why. And so uh, then they make you wrestle at the Ali Alif tournament in Dagestan three weeks out from the Olympics, right? Exactly. And they said, okay, this is it. This is it. And that's a tough tournament, man. I mean, it's super an, tough. I had 21 Russians in my weight class, like um, unbelievable. Right. So, and they go and they said, okay, this is it. How, whoever does better between you two goes period. And it's the most corrupt thing I've seen. We go to wins and I, I lost my weight. I'm feeling okay. You know, I have a huge cauliflower ear because I just, I, I, I broke my ear during those training periods. And it was just like this. My head's, you know, pounding. Uh, for those of you that had had a cauliflower ear, it just, it's literally just, it's just thriving, right? It's just, it's, it's pulsing. Pain. Yeah. Pulsing, yeah. Anyways, we're at weigh-ins and we have the head official of the tournament come to the weigh-in tournament and, and it pauses everything. There's 10 scales, 10 weight classes. He pauses everything and he comes to my weight class. And he says, Bulgaria. And he points at like me and the other guy from Bulgaria. And he goes, you two come to the front. And I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, and he goes, okay, just you two. And they had these pools at Wayne's where you flip a coin and that's your number in the, that's how they draw the bracket. It's yeah. a random, random bracket. You flip a coin or you pull a number and it's like one through 24 or whatever. Yeah. And that's where you're at in the bracket. Well, what he did is he flipped all the coins and he found one on the bottom of the bracket and one at the top of the bracket. And he only pulled those two numbers to the front. And that's everybody's watching there, right? Everybody's what waiting. What kind of scandals going on? No, around. listen. And he pulls out two numbers, the top of the bracket and the bottom of the bracket. And he, he literally says, okay, just these two. And you two, the Bulgarians, he goes, okay, one of you step on the scale. And I'm like, I had no idea what's going on. And, and one second went through my mind and I'm thinking, I'm going first. I want to have at least 50-50 shot of drawing myself <laughs> somewhere in the bracket. Step on the scale pull out a number, he steps on scale, pull out the other number, and we're separated. What they did is the Bulgarian Wrestling Federation told them, hey, these two guys need to, be, need to not wrestle each other. They need to be separated so we can see which one does better internationally, mm. which one can perform better internationally. I thought it would be the opposite. When I first heard that story, I thought they were going to make you guys wrestle first round like a wrestle-off and be done with it. But they put mm -hmm. you on opposite sides. Yeah, because they didn't care how we do against each other. They want to know which one performs better against foreigners. If that makes sense. It does make and sense, so, but and, and And yeah, right. It's, it's just crazy. The whole thing doesn't make sense. But, and so I step on the scale, we draw our number and just a mess, right? And the next day I end up going for third and fifth, but 
My first match, my knee popped. I, I, I tore my meniscus. My second match, I dislocated my shoulder, right? And I'm in going for third and fifth, and the other guy got beat out. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm the guy, right? I qualified. And I went to my coach, and I'm like, there is no way I'm wrestling this match for third and fifth. If you want me to recover, any whatsoever recover in the next three and a half weeks before the Olympics, and if you want me to be somewhat healthy. But, yeah, so I did What did they say? I, they said okay? No, they made me step on the, on the thing, but then I just kept limping. I couldn't even walk on the mat. So then I just ended up forfeiting after that. But, um, so the three yeah. and a half months you're over there before this, though, what kind of like mental stress are you under? Because like it was, it, Ryan, it was a psychological warfare. That is how I can describe it. You got to think, okay, put yourself in my shoes. I'm out there with zero support. I don't trust anyone because that guy grew up there. That guy has been there this whole time. They've been catering to him and developing him and want him, want him to be the guy, right? And I show up. I'm like a foreigner to them, right? I've been in the States for 10 years. I show up, zero support, um, all negativity. Everybody looks at you, you know, watches on you weird because you're trying to all of a sudden take that guy's spot. Um, and I can't trust any of the coaches. I can't tell them that I'm hurt or I feel bad because they're just going to throw me off. And, and all you're thinking all this time is, man, they're just using you as a workout partner and then they're just going to let you go home, you know? So is Bulgaria a communist country or no, no, they used to be communist until 1989, man. So like, they're just, just a corrupt place, I guess. Then like, I, I don't know, man, it's, that's crazy that, and it's not even in the best interest of Bulgaria to put you guys through that. Yeah, like, I know. So don't, what, get so... Me wrong. don't get me wrong. There is a lot of good people there. Of course. But there is a lot of corruption as well. And things are just not done right. Hence why I think the, the level of the sport is not where it needs to be, where it can be. There's so much talent in Bulgaria. Mm. And, and, and it's just not there, man. It's just so corrupt. It's, and, and you got to think. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even want to go there. But it's just, it's, it's just a mess. So we're going to widen this down. But tell me about the moment when they finally said to you, you're on the Olympic team. Was it the same level of joy or were you angry at this point? Oh, gosh, no. I, I didn't even believe it, to be honest with you. When they said, okay, and they said it like it was a bad thing. They waited two hours after the tournament. And then the coach pulled me to the side and they, he comes to me and he says, hey, we just, uh, we talked to everyone in Bulgaria and the, the president and the, the governing body and, and we decided that you're going to be the guy. And I'm like, am I supposed to be sad about this? Like, why are you telling me this like this? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, thank you. I didn't believe it. I, I did not believe it until... Ryan, I didn't believe that I was going to be the guy until I weighed in at the Olympics. And, and how are you going to have an athlete compete with a free spirit and, and give you the best out of himself with that type of mentality? And did you, even, did you even get to go back to the States in between then and the Olympics, or did you stay over there the whole time? No, we, were, we went straight to a camp in Poland. I, haven't, I didn't go back. So I called, I called my, my wife. I called the work at the university, and I said, hey, I'm not coming back for three months. You, I expected them to fire me. You know, my wife is like, why are you there for three months? What the heck? You know, what is going on? And I had to tell everyone that I'm just not coming back, you know. I'm just not coming back for three and a half months. Crazy that your work was more supportive than Bulgaria was about it, though. Like, they were, like, trying to buy tickets well, and shit. A thousand times more supportive, yeah. Crazy. Well, man, we could talk all day. I'll have to have you back on. I just wanted to sign off with, you are an absolute wrestling entrepreneur, man. And you're, you're doing amazing things here. Talk about your, uh, your performance drink and the single you mentioned beforehand as we sign off here and where people can buy it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Grit. 
Grit is the drink, um, obviously. Grit is, and we've had all kinds of people use it and try it. And, you know, you go from Jaden Cox, Pat Donnie, we have a bunch of people using it. But, but anyways, it's, it's, uh, it's the only drink for wrestlers specifically or for athletes that can't wait to compete. MMA athletes, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, fighters. And it's, it's for, uh, it helps you when you're training, when, you're, when your body is, is depleting, right? A lot of electrolytes, you're sweating. This is the perfect drink to get you through that, to get you to feel fresh to get you to cut weight and the fastest way to recover after weigh-ins. And that, that's what that drink does. It's been amazing. It's uh, actually the new formula is coming out soon. That's news. No one knows that yet. A new formula is coming out and it's informed sports certified, which means Olympic athletes, NCAA athletes, anyone can drink it, kids. Uh, and, and it's a great drink. And, and, this, and they can get that at TTP. That stands for top tier performance, ttpnutrition.com. And the singlet, to go back to the singlet, uh, it's a weighing singlet. We have the only weighing singlet that I know of that I'm aware of in the world. It's the lightest singlet. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's called the feather singlet. And with the new rule changes, it's amazing because everyone in high school now has to weigh in with a singlet. Well, would you want to weigh in with a singlet that weighs half a pound or a singlet that weighs one-tenth of a pound, right? My singlet weighs one-tenth of a pound. It's amazing. A lot of people have utilized it. It's, it's literally it's so light and it's amazing for weigh-ins and it, it's uh at thebestwrestler.com that's where you can find it thebestwrestler.com what a genius idea man um the post weigh-in drink i've always thought so you know that that's a marketing that's a gold mine because there's so many athletes that do that you know in combat sports and and the weigh-in singlet man i wish we had that when i was around because we used to pass around the same disgusting singlet amongst like 20 20 dudes on the team exactly man. and i remember you had to like cut you have to cut the singlet and everything and now you can't do that you know right. that my singlet the feather singlet it's it's actually uh uww approved it has all the regulations and markings and everything on it it's 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 a uh, it's competition ready singlet and that's that's what it says in the regulations competition ready singlet. you could wrestle in it if you want to wow. but it's, it's the lightest singlet in the world i love it man georgie you're the man this has been an outstanding conversation i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story my friend Ryan, you're amazing. Thank you for having me. It truly has been a pleasure and honor. You're doing amazing, by the way. Uh, I commend you for everything that you're doing, man. It's amazing for the sport, so thank you. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. I look forward to meeting in person soon. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com. Take care, y'all.